Well, today we are beginning a new series, a new series of messages called Going Deeper. And uh, we got the idea because we're going to be talking about Jonah for the next six weeks. i uh, just going to ask you all a question. When you think of Jonah, what do you typically think of? What's one of the big things about Jonah? Y'all remember? Yeah, the big whale. He got swallowed by a big fish. So y'all are doing good. So y'all, y'all might, I might let y'all get out a little bit early today because you got that question right. But Jonah was a guy just through the next six weeks. We're going to look at him and we're going to discover how he was able to go deeper. Now, on the surface, he was able to go deeper because he got swallowed by fish. Uh, but on the big picture, the real big picture is we're going to see that through that experience that he was able to go deeper because during that time, he made a real connection with God. Uh, Gordon McDonald told a story when he was in high school about how he went to eat dinner with his high school track coach. And he had, uh, so he was eating dinner with him. He had on his uh, placemat a folder that had the date June 1957 on it, which was three years away. And so he looked at it and his coach said, I want you to turn uh, to the back page and look at, at something on the back page. So he turns to the back page, he looks at it. And it's all the times that Gordon McDonald was going to uh, was going to run. As he looked at it, he said, because there's no way I can do this, coach. He said, I'm not, I'm not even close to this kind of time. And his coach said, well, let's begin to look in the pages before that. And so they began to look in the pages before it. And the coach had set out a 42-month schedule for Gordon McDonald so that he would be able to train and be able to get to a point where he would be able to achieve those times. Now, we all know typically that coaches and leaders, they usually do pretty good at long-range planning if they're going to bring the people with them up to where they want, want to see them achieve great things. And that's really, to me, what the book of Jonah is about. It's the picture of God coming up with a long-range plan for Jonah so that he could achieve great things for God. And I want you to know that God, in your life, he has a plan for you. God has long-range plans that he desires for you to achieve. Now, what is the ultimate goal that God has for all of us, for his followers? Well, believe it or not, I'd say that one of the primary goals that God has for all of us is that eventually, as time goes on, we will become more and more like Jesus. Now, the question is, well, how's that happen? Well, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see God dealing with this man named Jonah. And through this whole process of him dealing with Jonah, we see that Jonah begins over time to take steps to become obedient to the leadership of God. Now, my belief is that God has plans for you and me as well. Everybody in this room, let me tell you something. God has a plan for you. The question is, how are we going to respond to it? You know, what are we going to do with the plan that God has for our lives? And so we're going to go through Jonah and we're going to start off with Jonah chapter one, verse number one. If you have your Bible and you would like to look up the book of Jonah, it's kind of hard to find. And so what you can do is you can turn to the middle of your Bible and you'll go past Psalms and Proverbs and you'll eventually go past Daniel and you're going to run into Jonah. It's a small book, so it's kind of hard to find. If you have a Bible like mine, page 782, which is always kind of helpful whenever you're looking at the book of Jonah. But we'll look in Jonah chapter one in just a few moments. But Jonah was a prophet. Uh, he was a prophet for the nation of Israel. You might say, well, what does a prophet do? Uh, a prophet was a guy who received a word from God. I mean, he received a direct word from God, and it was his job to share the message that he received with other people. Now, the message that Jonah received was he was supposed to go to this town, this city called Nineveh. 
And he was to give this message to the people of Nineveh. You are wicked and God's going to destroy you. Now, is that a fun message to share or what? Uh, which is, I always thought my mother gave me that message every Sunday morning getting ready for church because I would never get ready on time. And she would come in and say, you are wicked and I will destroy you. So I would get ready. But that is the, that is the message that God had received, that, or that Jonah had received from God. Now, to give you a little background information on Nineveh, Nineveh was the capital of this empire called Assyria. And Assyria back in the day, during this time, it was a world power. It, you know, like the United States today is the, the superpower. This is what Assyria was. And Assyria was a, just an absolutely brutal nation. I mean, they did not, they didn't spare anybody when they conquered other nations. And so if you look in the book of Nahum, which is harder to find in Jonah, but in the book of Nahum, it talks about the wickedness of Assyria. It talks about the witchcraft that they practiced and prostitution and the cruelty of the nation. And so this was the people, this was the nation that Jonah was called by God to minister to. A wicked nation. So that was his calling. And from this text, we're going to see the process that God would go through in order to work in the life of Jonah. And I believe the same process that God used to work in the life of Jonah is the same process that God uses to work in your life and my life. You must say, how's God, how's God work in our lives? And I think we can look at Jonah and discover how he works. And one of the processes that God uses in order to work in the lives of people, his people, is first of all, he has a calling on us. One of the processes is God's calling. And we see this with Jonah back in verse number one. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, there are a lot of different views that people have concerning God. Uh, there are some people when they think of God, they think of God as being you know, sort of distant. He's way out there. He doesn't really connect with us. And on some level, that makes sense to me, because when you think of our world today, yeah, we have, like, I believe, close to 7 billion people in our world. And then you think about that and think, well, how in the world could God keep up with 7 billion people? You know, how in the world could God know, uh, in, in any kind of close relationship, that many people? And we'd say, you know, humanly speaking, obviously, that can't be done. And so a lot of people think of God as being distant. And then there are others who think of God as being an angry God. You know, he's a God who's sort of like a, he's a policeman with a radar gun and he's waiting for somebody to screw up so that he can give him a ticket. He's waiting for somebody to mess up so that he can whack him on the side of the head with a billy club. And so some people have this image of God as being angry. And then there are others when they think of God, they, they don't think that he exists. And they basically look at our world today and they say, you know, you're, you're born, you live, you die, and that's it. I mean, life is over. But I hold to, I believe, a biblical view of who God is. Well, who's God, according to the Bible? Well, according to, to the Bible, God is a God who is intimately acquainted with his creation. God is a God who knows you. And I'm not talking about like you as in our whole nation. He knows you as an individual. That's who God is. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 29-31, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. 
And even the very hair of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, does God, does God know us intimately? Absolutely. I mean, Jesus himself said God knows you so intimately that he knows how many hairs are on your head. Psalm 139 tells us that God knows us so intimately that he knew us when we were inside of our mother's wombs. He said that he was the one who weaved us and who formed us together inside of our mothers. So God definitely has a connection with you. The question is, do you have a connection with God? I mean, do you really have a connection with God? Now, I believe that Jonah was able to hear the calling of God because of his relationship with God. Remember, he was a prophet of God. He had a respect for God. He had a belief in God, and he wanted to follow God. Now, just because you have a connection with God does not always mean that you're perfect. And you can read about Jonah and the chapters coming up, and you're going to find out that there are times when he failed miserably with what God wanted him to do. But he was able to understand God's calling because he was connected to God. Now, it seems to me that a lot of us spend, spend a, great amount, a great amount of time trying to figure out what exactly is it God wants us to do. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I just want to say, how many of you have have asked yourself or asked God the question, God, what is your purpose for my life? You know, God, is, is, there, is there a reason why you created me? Is there something I'm supposed to do? And I really, believe, I really believe people are hungry to find out what God wants them to do. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. One of the best-selling Christian books ever written. Now, it was it sold like hotcakes. Why? Because people want to know, does God have a purpose for me? But what we're going to see is for us to be able to hear from God, we have to be connected to God. And I think I can kind of give you an example to help you see this. Uh, a few weeks ago at the office, we our Internet service, our phone lines were down. And, and I'm talking, they were down for days and you know, we'd, have, we'd have access to everything for about like three minutes, and then it'd be off for like six hours. And so it was driving all of us in the office absolutely crazy. I mean, I was, uh, I was at the verge where I was just about to start acting like, you know, acting like James. I mean, it was getting rough. And so, you know, I had my cell phone out. I'd call the phone company. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And finally, they figured out what was going on, and I, I don't know, you know, I don't know anything. I'm not a, I'm not a tech guy at all, which is probably not shocking to any of you. But it was something along the lines of, like one of our lines, it was connected to a modem, and one of the workers from the company, which shall not be named, it was like Voldemort, uh, that he kept pulling our line out. And so whenever he pulled our line out, for, I don't know why, I haven't figured that part out yet, but when he pulled our line out, we were no longer connected to anything. Our phone didn't work, and neither did the, neither did our email service. Uh, so they told him to quit doing this. And whenever he quit doing it and he left our line plugged in, well, guess what? Um, I, could, I was connected to the outside world. You know, I could actually send them an email and yell at them. I mean, it was great. And so all these things happened because we were connected. Now, the lesson to learn from this is if I'm going to hear from God, if I'm going to know God's calling in my life, the first thing is I have to be plugged in to him. And by and large, I believe that is one of the reasons we have so many struggles in our relationship with God, because we're not in sync with God. Now, the Bible is very clear that God has our number. 
God is our maker. He knows you intimately. He knows the very hairs on your head. He knows you. The question is, do we know him? In John 3.16, one of the very first verses many of us learn, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The last part of that verse, it says, Whosoever believes in him. That is the connection point. That is where the connection with God begins. So are you connected to God? If you're going to hear the calling of God, and know his direction for your life, there has to be a connection with him. And he said, well, how do I do that? The only thing I know to do is look into Scripture. And what Scripture teaches is it tells me to have a relationship with God is, first of all, understand why I am unplugged with God. It's sin. Sin is devastating in our relationship with God. So I come to God, and, and we, we should come to God and say, God, I need forgiveness because I want to plug into you. I want to be right with you. And then we trust that God, that Jesus died for us and that he rose from the grave. And we say, Jesus, we are trusting you to redeem us, to change our lives. Now, what happens if I do that? Well, according to Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved. Now, that is the beginning process, or the first part of the process of God working in our lives. God's calling on our lives. God reaches out to you. But another part of the process of God working in our lives, like he did in Jonah's life, is the second part is God's plan. Now, God will call you, but after God calls you, he will let you know, I have a plan for your life. If you look in verse number two, we'll see his plan for Jonah's life. It says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. One of the neat things to discover in the Bible is that God doesn't just call you. He doesn't just you know, say, hey, I just want to make contact with you. God, after he makes contact with you, he says, listen, I want you to know I have a plan for you as well. You know, God didn't just make us and wind us up like robots and then send us out and say, good luck. God says, I have a blueprint that I desire for you to follow. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The start of that verse, it says, I know the plans I have for you. Now, again, I believe a lot of us walk around thinking, well, what kind of plan does God have for my life? What is it that God wants me to do? Well, we look in Jonah's life, we see God had a plan for him. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach against it. Now, Nineveh and Israel, Assyria and Israel, did not have a great relationship. Uh, I'll give you, if you grew up in the church, you're probably going to be familiar with one of the ancient Babylonian kings. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. Y'all heard of him before? Nebuchadnezzar is a couple things that he's known for. One, one of the horrible things that happened in Israel's history, and they still mourn the loss today, is he was the guy, his was the army, that went into Jerusalem and destroyed, I mean, I'm absolutely wiped out the very first temple, Solomon's temple that was built in Jerusalem. He, this, he, this is the guy that did it. Uh, he's also known for the story of, y'all, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Y'all remember that? The three guys that were thrown into the fiery furnace. So this is the nation that we're talking about. Israel did not have a good relationship with Nineveh. And then God told one of his prophets, he said, I want you to go to Nineveh and say, you're wicked, I'm going to destroy you. Now, on the surface, you think, Jonah had to be thinking, yes. 
you know, we're going to get back at these people. I cannot wait to tell them. Now, that was my first thought. Then I started thinking, he's going by himself. I mean, how popular do you think that guy's going to be? Walking all over Nineveh, a foreign, a foreign nation, saying, God's going, to, God's going to bust your chops. Now, that's a scary thought. But the thing is, Jonah was a little bit nervous about delivering that message. But the focus that I, want to, that I want to share with you at this time, though, is that God had a mission for Jonah. He had a plan for Jonah. And I want you to understand that God has a mission. He has a plan for you as well. And I said, what plan does God have for me? Well, Jesus very clearly shared the plan before, after he resurrected from the dead. The Bible says Jesus ascended into heaven. Before he left, he told his followers in Matthew 28, verses, uh, verses 19 and 20, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age." That is Jesus' last command while he was on earth. Now, I look at that and I say, that's a pretty straightforward command. Now, if you're wondering, what is, it, what is it God wants me to do with my life? What purpose and what plan does God have for me? Y'all, it's, it's pretty simple. It is to live your life in such a way that whenever you speak, that when people see your actions... They see that you are different because you don't live for this world. You live for Jesus. And people ought to see because and, and hear because of what you say, that there is a God who is seeking them out so they can experience forgiveness, so they can experience redemption in their life. Now, Jonah didn't want to give this message to the people of Nineveh. And it's, it's really interesting. You know one of the reasons why? It's because Jonah was afraid that if he gave this message that the people of Nineveh would change their ways. He hated Nineveh. He's like, man, if I share this message, what if they change and God spares them? And so he didn't want to share this message with his people. Guys, whenever we share the message of Jesus, we talk about how Jesus changed our lives. We talk about how Jesus has a plan for our lives. You know, that is a powerful message. It is a message that can transform people's lives. But the only way that message gets out is through us. And it's through, it's through you. We're told in Romans 10, verses 14 through 15, it says, How then can they call on the one in whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, we have a tendency to make God's plan for our life something really hard. And we, it's, it's almost like it's like the secret code. You know, whatever God wants you to do, it's something that, that it's, it's, it's in secret. It's going to be hard to find. But it's very simple. Jesus very clearly tells us, says, you're calling in your life. And this is for us today. You're calling he says, if you obey God, you love me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And what are his commandments? He says, you love people and you love God. What is God's plan and purpose for your life? Well, that, that is the beginning mission for us. And as we share that and as we share the love of God with other people, when people get a glimpse of God, did you know that people can be changed? That people's lives can be transformed? And yet, whenever we don't do it, there are people who are missing out on a wealth of information about God because they don't know. 
One of my favorite stories, and I'm, I'm, I know I've told it here before, but it's about a guy who's watching his wife cook. He just got home from work, and she's making pot roast. And she's making pot roast. She'd always cut the pot roast in two and put it in two different pans and cook it separately. And he said he didn't get it. And he's like, I, I don't, I, you know, he's always watched her do that. And so finally he asked her, said, why is it that whenever you cook pot roast that you put it in two different pans? And it seemed like you put it in one pan, just stick it in the oven. She said, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I guess I've always done it this way because that's the way my mom taught me. And so because, you know, he was an investigator, he's going to get to the bottom of this. So he calls his wife's mom and he says, hey, hey so I, I'm just watching, watching my wife cook. And I, she said that she cut her pot roast in two because that's the way you did it. And I, I just want to know, why do you do it that way? And she said, uh, Ah, that's a great question. I, I just have always done it that way because that's the way my mom did it. And so he called his wife's grandmother. And he said, I, I've got to ask, you cut the pot roast in two, you stick it in two different pans and cook them separately. Why, why don't they just stick it in one pan and stick it in the oven? She goes, well, I don't know about them. She goes, the reason why I do it is because my oven's not big enough. Now, isn't that interesting? Here's this lady, his wife had just gone through all these years of doing something she didn't have to do. Because she didn't have the right information. And you know, my fear is that spiritually the same thing is true with us as well. You see, our, our job is to share the information of Jesus. And if people say, well, that sounds too good to be true, they should be able to look at your life and my life and see how God has impacted us and has transformed us and changed us. Changed us. Now, how can, how can we share with other people? There's a lot of different ways. I'll just give you a couple of, I think, hopefully practical little things. Uh, one of them is you pray and say, God, I, I pray that you will give me a heart for people. Jesus, that you'll give me a heart for my neighbors. That you'll present me an opportunity to love on them. And that might mean just you inviting them to dinner. It might, it might mean you inviting them into the church so they can hear a message of Christ. You see, part of God's process in working in the life of Jonah is he had, he had a, a, a calling on Jonah's life. And then he gave him a plan. That's how God works with us. But then the final part of the process of God working in our lives is a response. It's our response that God's looking for. In verse number 3, we see Jonah's response. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, you can see in the verses we've read that, that God had a calling on Jonah's life. He had a plan for him. And this is the part I think is interesting. After God gave him the calling and the plan, God steps back and says, I put it on your table. I'm going to allow you to respond. He didn't force Jonah to do anything. He gave him the opportunity to respond. And God does the same thing with us. And that's why the big question for us is, well, how are we going to respond to God's leadership? And it amazes me that, that when you think of God, God is creator. You know, James had, had mentioned in our prayer before we came out here, he says, you know, God, the very breath that we have is from you. That, that is who God is. He is your, he is your creator, your maker. And yet he gives you the opportunity to choose whether or not you're going to accept or reject his leadership. Now, this is one, this is one of many reasons why I would not be a good God. 
if I make people, then I will demand that they're obedient to me. And I think the same thing is true for you guys. You know, if you invest heavily in something, you want to see results, right? If you put a lot of money into something, you think, I better get my money's worth here. Um, and I am, I am I'm the same way. I, 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 want, I want things to work like I want them to. I am a, I've told you all before, I, I like, uh, I'm one of the few people probably that watch infomercials. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, I'll see an infomercial, most people just skip right through them. I'm like, ooh, that looks good. And I remember a few years ago, this is, I, I, I watch, um, I watch the two most boring sports probably to watch, and I love them. I love, to, I love to watch golf, and I love baseball. I mean, it doesn't matter who's playing, I watch baseball any time of the day. And uh, I was watching golf, they had Phil Mickelson on, and he's, you know, hitting golf balls. He's, and if you know anything about golf, he is a, he's great around the greens. And he has this lob wedge, and uh, he would hit it, you know, just shoot it straight up in the air, and it lands right next to the flag. I watched him hit that thing, and then I saw a commercial for a lob wedge. And I said, I've got to get one of those because uh, it's going to make my game that much better. I get a lob wedge, 60-degree wedge, which probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of you. It doesn't mean anything to me either. And so I got this lob wedge. I go out, and the first time I use it, I hit the ball. I'm real close to the green. I'm just going to shoot it right up there by the flag. And I just absolutely, I hit the middle of the ball, and it just goes shooting right into the trees 100 yards over the green. Seriously. And I, so I, got, I lost my ball. Now, I continually did this. And I, became, I was tremendously frustrated because I got this club, and it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And so I went back to my trusty, you know, pitching wedge. It's not that trusty. Now, now, God, and here's the point, God had invested in Jonah. He expects something from Jonah. How does Jonah respond? Verse number three says he ran away from God. It says he went to this place called Tarshish. Now, to let you know, it would be like Nineveh is here. This is where God said, I want you to go here from Israel. Go here. Jonah went, instead of going that way, he went the exact opposite direction. He was completely disobedient to God. Now, like Jonah, we have the right that comes from God to choose whether or not we're going to follow God's leadership. Now, but here's what we need to understand. Whatever you choose, understand there are consequences that come with the choices you make. Good or bad. And it always, it always interests me that a lot of us tend to think that we can choose to live like we want to live. And, and do whatever we want to do with God and not face consequences. Guys, that is absolutely crazy. Because in every other area of life, when you make a decision, there are always consequences. And that is also true with God. Now you might think, well, he's getting ready to tell us the bad consequences. You know what? I'm going to share with you the good consequences. When you are obedient to God, God gives life. When you're obedient to God, he gives hope. Whenever you're obedient to God, he gives the purpose of your life meaning. He helps you to achieve. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, he said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many, many are going to find that road. But then he says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to his life. And only a few will find it. Village Church, God has a calling on our lives. And he calls us to be obedient to the plan that he's laid out for us. And it is to love God. It is to love people. The question is, are we doing that? Are we loving God? Are we loving people? 
Now, I'm not saying that's always easy. For Jonah, he was called to go to a nation that he hated. But God knew that he could redeem him. Some of you might be called to go outside of your comfort zone and to minister to people that you might not care about all that much. Do you know what? I know that as you are obedient to God, that God can transform hearts. And He can change. He can change the things around you. He can change your life. Now, as we close, I want to close with this, I want to close with this question. Ask yourself if you're willing to travel down the road that Jesus lays out for you. To love God and to love people. Now that road, say, so how, how do I travel that road? Well, you know, Village Church, the way that we try to set up some things so that we can travel that road is we have our small group ministries. We have service ministries where we actually go out and we serve people. We pray for, we have a prayer team that prays for people. So a lot of different ways we have ministries for our young people and for children so that they can hear the message of Jesus Christ. We have events that we do that are, so that we can invite people to come so they can get a taste of what Jesus is like through us, through our lives. Guys, take advantage of those opportunities and trust God to be with you as you choose to be obedient to Him. Because if you're obedient to God, it's going to impact your life and it will impact the lives of the people around you. We're told in in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. It says, The old passes away, behold, the new will come. We are in need of seeing the newness of life through Jesus Christ in this community. And guys, the only way it's going to happen is through us living in obedience to Jesus. Let's pray that we see God move. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I am, I am thankful for the story of Jonah. And I am, I am thankful, Lord, to see a man... Who received a call to go. And Lord I believe that you have given our church. A call to go. All of your believers have a call to go. We are called to go out into this world. And live. Under the leadership of Jesus Christ. Because that is an acknowledgement on our part. That you know. More than we do. You know what is best more than we do. And Lord it is a demonstration of faith. When we say, Jesus, I will love you and I will love others. Jesus, I pray that our church will be the spark for life change in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. May it all start right here, God. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.